I'm Rob. And I'm Michelle. And this is Two Two Librarians librarians Walk Into a Shelf. Today we're going to talk about teen movies. But before that, I've got a question for you. Okay. All right. You can have a concert after a year of no concerts. What three bands do you put together for this concert? Oh, no. Any three bands. Any three bands. So if you pick a band that's no longer with us, that's okay, because we can make that happen. Okay. Oh, God. You should have given me warning. Um, okay, the first one is Nine Inch Nails. The second band is The Decemberists. Okay, are you sure? Yes. Okay. Are you going to like turn around and be like, and now I've killed all those three bands and no, you must pick no, more? No, 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 no. It's this a is, trap. This is like Sophie's Choice. Yes. Yeah, definitely Nine Inch Nails. The Decemberists are great live. Third. Any band. Any band. The Beastie Boys. Ooh, nice. They're also really good live. All right. I'm impressed. I would buy a ticket to this concert. Okay. Do you know when it's going to be? And do I have to wear a mask? <laughs> Please wear a mask. Mask re- requested. <laughs> um, but it, it's at the corner of Never and Infinity. So. <laughs> Can you imagine what it's going to be like the first concert you get to go to after so long? Uh, no. It's going to be weird. It's going to be real weird. It's these... like, why, why, are you, why are you near me? Why are you sitting next to me? You're, you're too close to me. Why are all these people here? Why is it so loud? Well, that's me going to a concert. <laughs> Turn it down. Okay, I have a question for you. All right, hit me, hit me. We're going to play Kiss, Mary Kill. Oh, man. I'm going to give you three movies, and you're going to tell me. What? I'm giving you three movies. Dazed and Confused. Okay. Halloween 3. Okay. And Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, come on. You got to kiss, marry, and kill. Oh. Okay. Talk about Sophie's choice. Oh, my gosh. Well, this was not fair. Um, okay, I'm not even going to think about it. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to marry Halloween 3. Okay. I'm going to kiss Fast Times at Ridgemont High. All right. And I'm going to just kill Days and Confused. All right, all right, all right. Oh, but I don't want to do that. No. What did I say? No. <laughs> We're not done. Are we going to revisit this next week? We'll table that for today. Merry, Merry Halloween 3. Okay. Kiss Fast Times. And sadly, I have to kill Days and Confused. Okay. If you're sure. Oh, <laughs> gosh, Michelle. Well, anyway. For those of you that can't see us right now, Rob's veins are popping out of his forehead. He's very stressed oh. out by this choice. And he sounds like he's giving birth, so. Giving birth to disappointment. Why would you put me in that position? I thought it'd be funny. Oh. And it was. All right. <laughs> so how did you spend your Rex Manning day yesterday? Um, at work. Did you, when you got home, did you do like a Rex Manning day party? Did you do a Rex Manning day cake? Uh, Rex Manning day drinks, cocktails for you and your husband? Was it a... I mean, you still celebrate it every year, I'm sure. I, well, like I share memes with friends. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's Rex Manning Day, April 8th, every year. It's the day we celebrate one of the greatest tragedies of music, Rex Manning. <laughs> if you're not familiar, Rex Manning is the fictional washed-up pop singer in the movie Empire Records from 1995. And April 8th. It's the day the movie takes place. Right. And he is a guest at the record store, and everyone's so not excited about it. Well, I mean, there are some people that are very excited about it. (laughs) Most of the people that work there are not excited about having Rex Manning at their record store because these are kids that love music. They are not interested in washed-up, greasy, old pop stars. Pop pop star posers. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a long day for everybody. And, and, And the one person that's really excited about meeting Rex, maybe you shouldn't meet your heroes. No, poor Corey. Such a such a sad, sad moment in the movie. But let's talk about Empire Records. Uh, April 8th is when everybody watches the movie. Yep. It's just a fun thing to do and then send the memes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This is a movie about young people working in a record store. Most of them are at that point in their lives where they're deciding on colleges or to go on to other jobs or what. They're, they're all still figuring out what to do. And it's a movie that certainly touched its audience. It wasn't a successful movie by any means, but it's definitely a movie that's become a cult movie and it's grown in popularity every year. More people find it. And you are exactly the reason why this <laughs> this movie is still around. People talk about it. Tell us how you, how you came to it, Michelle. Uh, I'm pretty sure a friend rented it and we had it at a sleepover. I love that. I know you do. It's also how I saw Roger Rabbit and Sleepaway Camp. Classics. <laughs> Best way to see at least Empire Records and Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> <laughs> so it may have, that may have even been the same sleepover. Anyway, we loved Empire Records. I don't remember if someone ended up buying it or if we just kept renting it. But we watched it a lot at sleepovers starting in late middle school probably. That's great. See, that's a it's a and it's a great movie to discover maybe at that age. It's an ensemble cast. Yeah. You can relate to most all the characters. Even if you don't understand what some of them are even talking about, everybody for the most part in the movie is likable. There's not any heavy adult authority. There Joe, the guy who owns the record store, uh certainly is is the He's their a- boss. Authority figure, boss. But we know instinctively that Joe is just a grown version of the kids that work there. Yeah. So that kind of takes him out of, like, we're never really worried about Joe doing anything. Uh, but they're about to, he's about to lose the store. The guy who owns the store is about to sell it. They're going to turn it into a, a music town. Music town, which is like a big uh, a corporate music <sighs> store, uniforms. Uniforms, no tattoos, no piercings, no fun, don't smile. Yeah, man. Working for the man. Yeah. The movie opens and opens on Lucas, who finds out that Joe's going to lose the store. So he takes it upon himself to take that day's money. So he takes the money out of the safe and he goes to Atlantic City. And, of course, he loses the money in Atlantic City. It's $9,000, which we looked up is now over $15,000 in today's money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So there's this whole, like, the plot through the thing where Joe's upset because he's going to lose the store. Lucas is upset because he's lost the money and he wants to fix things. And you've got the rest of the cast of characters going through their own stuff as they come into work that day to, like, also deal with the fact that 
the place that they feel welcome, their workplace, their found family is going to get sold out. So that's the con the conflict is this, they're going to lose the store. And it's done in a way that movies, it's resolved in a way that movies aren't resolved anymore. And that's where they throw a party at the end of the <laughs> day and everybody shows up and they sell tickets to this giant bash and they earn all the money they need to get Lucas out of trouble. And Joe decides one way or the other, he's going to buy the store and he's going to save empire records. And it's, it's a perfect way to end that story because that's the, any other way would have just been a letdown. Definitely. Any other way would have just been a rip off because we've watched these people for a whole day and we've come to love them and you just want it to be resolved. There's no other way. It's just perfect. Yeah, and, and it's like the situation where all these kids are working at this record store and most of the, the kids are like on the edge of graduating high school and trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. So you've got, you know, the conflict of they're losing their store and the conflict of not knowing who they are yet but thinking that they do. And, you know, there's some professions of love there's some serious situations with some of their coworkers that they have to like try to try to resolve like with Deb. And Deb her, is having a rough her, day. Yeah, and her faux funeral that they they throw for her to show her how much how much they care about her. I don't know. And then at the end when Gina kind of comes into her own and realizes she doesn't she doesn't need to hurt herself to get attention basically. Right. So it does resolve everything, and maybe that's not the most realistic, but for a teen movie, that's, you know, it's made to attract teens and get them pumped up and, uh, you know, buy a ticket, watch the movie, have a good time. Unfortunately, that did not happen. The movie was more or less dumped by the studio, and I'm not sure exactly why. So this movie, it's amazing that this that we're even talking about this movie so many years later. Right. This movie is a bona fide cult classic. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is a movie that once it's successful during its theatrical run, but it finds its audience. The audience finds it and it builds and we that audience it. builds. Yeah, it ex exactly like that. People renting it with friends, sleepovers, watching it. Um, the soundtrack. Oh, my gosh, that soundtrack. Gin Blossoms, Cranberries, Toad the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> Better than Ezra. You want to talk about a great soundtrack of the time. That's one of the best, man. And I think that the success of the soundtrack kept interest in the movie. And that's people found the soundtrack first and then had to see the movie to see what all this great music was a part of. And I think that's what built it into becoming a cult classic and not being lost. I found some reviews from the time. One review in Variety that stuck out to me said that it was a soundtrack in search of a movie. It's a little harsh. It's harsh, and you can tell it's probably a, an older person that said that. TV Guide gave it two stars and called it a lame comedy. Damn the man. And good old Roger Ebert called the film a, quote, lost cause. <sighs> but later he conceded that some of the actors would have a future in other better films. So, And that was true. So Roger was right there, but I think Roger, I don't know. It wasn't a movie for him. I don't know. It, it clicked with me. I was probably 25 or 26 when I first saw it. 
And it just is a movie that I've always enjoyed. And it's been crazy because, like, there was a there was a time when I would ask people about this movie and they never heard of it. Right. So it's been crazy seeing it grow in popularity and that there's all these Rex Manning Day memes, Rex Manning memes, and and just all kinds of of stuff. And then, of course, the the cast is great. And whenever I see them in something now, they're all old people now. But <laughs> Liv Tyler is she still making movies? I don't know. The last thing that I remember seeing her in was um, Lord of the Rings, though. Yeah, that's been a while. Yeah. Uh, Renee Zellweger, Ethan Embry, mm-hmm. Robin Tooney, Roy, Rory Cochran, uh, Max, <laughs> Maxwell Caulfield plays Rex Manning. If you don't know who he is, he was in Grease too. Everybody hates Grease too. Oh, yeah. I don't know why people hate Grease too. It was him and Michelle Pfeiffer in that one. I think that... There was never going to be a good Grease sequel. Like, if you love Grease, you're mm-hmm. just never going to like part two. Sure. But uh, And so, like, <laughs> Max, you call, Maxwell Caulfield was in was in that. It was written by Carol Heikinen, and she based the story on her time at Tower Records, which I always suspected that that was the case. Tower Records was an actual record store mm-hmm. that was known as a party place for younger people, and they had in-store signings just like Rex Manning and 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 stuff like that. So it, it really comes from a real place. If some stuff seems over the top or silly. Well, it's a movie. Tr- true life can be over the top and silly at times too. So. That's true. I just I always really liked the way these kids from all their different perspectives and backgrounds and places can come together and support each other at you know in their found family. So that that to me is the is the key part of the movie. It's a found family movie. Absolutely. And it just, you find your friendship and you find family wherever you are. And their relationships as portrayed in this movie always felt more realistic to me than a lot of other teen movies of the time. Like, I will always love the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. I don't know if you ever saw that. I have not seen that Ledger and Julia Stiles. It's a great movie. But while we loved those movies, they weren't real life. Right. And no, and they weren't meant to be, but Empire Records really felt like it was trying to be real life. Yeah, it and was. You could, you could tell the difference. And I think, though, they were open till midnight, and I think they opened at 9. Everybody that was on the clock at 9 was still there at midnight. Yeah. I was worried Do you remember the scene when, <laughs> when, they, when he, it's Ethan Embry's character, he answers the phone, and he's like, Empire Records, open till midnight, and it pauses, and he's like, midnight! Yeah. <laughs> I know what phone call that was. How late are you open? <laughs> uh, anyway. Because it was, a, because it is a cult classic, when it came out on DVD, uh, it came out the theatrical version, and then after that, a fan cut, which is one of the first fan cuts possibly. And that's kind of cool that it had, you know, for a movie that didn't do anything in the box office to grow like that and have a fan base. It's just, it's just really cool. And if you haven't seen it, please give it a watch. We watched... Uh, what we did here was we watched a teen movie from our own teen time. Yeah, because Empire <laughs> Records was like after yours and before mine. Right. So you want to go first? Sure. All right. I had Rob watch Can't Hardly Wait. and Kenny Fisher. <laughs> it's another like ensemble cast situation where you've got you get Ethan Embry, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Seth Green, Peter Fascinelli, Lauren Ambrose. Melissa Joan Hart. So you've just got all these people that end up going on to do a whole lot of other things. And they're getting their start here. So 
this movie was, it's slightly over the top. It's, you know, all these kids at a party on their graduation day, and you've got this love interest situation happening where um, Preston is in love with Amanda, and Amanda has been dating the head football player, the quarterback, for four years. And he's chosen this graduation party after they've had their graduation to tell her that he loves her in this letter after she gets dumped by her boyfriend, which I think is a terrible idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it kind of bites him, but he like convinces his best friend, Denise to go to this party with him. And you start the movie with like all these different storylines coming together at this party. So you've got like, Mike Dexter and his dude bros talk about how they're going to dump their girlfriends because they're going to college and college girls are whatever. And you've got Kenny Fisher and his dude bros talking about how all the women at college are whatever, 92%, yo. (laughs) And (laughs) you have Denise who doesn't want to go to the party at all. She's like, can we please be done with high school? And they all converge at this party, and so that the conflict starts happening. And the story of Preston trying to get to Amanda at this party and this letter floating around everywhere. I don't know. I just really love this movie. I had never seen it, but I I was familiar with it, seen the trailer, just never made time. So when you said this was the movie you wanted me to watch, I was like, okay, I'm on board. Now, cool. now I have no reason not to sit and watch it. Cool. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's your classic teen movie. There's no teachers or parents. It exists in the world of teenagers only. And for the most part, I really thought it was great. I I didn't like how it ended, but probably that's the only way it could have ended. I do love, there's a part of the movie, our hero, Ethan Embry, is he's he's hit a uh, he's hit hard times, <laughs> let's say, and he's in the middle. It's two in the morning, and he's he's gonna call um, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow, that's right. He's gonna call Barry Manilow for advice. So you know how desperate he is, and an angel visits him. And I <laughs> love this scene because I've seen it in the trailer, and I never it never made sense to me. So I had all these. I'm like, what's going on with the angel? And it was Jana Elfman, who uh-huh. I love. And we don't see enough of her anymore. Or maybe she's in stuff that I'm just not aware of. It's 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 a wonderful little moment in the movie where two characters that have no reason interacting connect for a few minutes. And it's just a sweet moment. And uh, so that trumps anything that I don't like about the ending. So oh, yeah. it all evens out. You knew that's like how the, it was going to end. Though. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it. And again, this is another movie. You want to talk about a soundtrack? Like they still play these mu- this music on the radio. Yep. Uh, at least on the stations that I listen to. <laughs> the, so the classic rock stations yeah. that we now listen to because <laughs> we are old. So yeah. So that was and and again, like you said, uh, the cast. I mean, I've seen all of them in in horror movies. I think so. <laughs> They've been in a lot of other things as well. Yes. Uh, so, like, for you, I gave you Fast Times at Ridgemont High from 1982. Yep. And I picked this one. Uh, it's a little bit before my time as a teenager. Uh, I entered high school in 1984. But this was the movie I watched. Now our listeners know how old we are. Yeah. Well, that's okay. They kind of suspected. So this was the movie I saw as my primer before I got to high school. This is what I pictured high school was going to be like. And for the most part, I think they got it right. 
obviously 16 candles, the breakfast club might've been closer to my actual high school experience. The, the thing that I connected with in this movie is like the most realistic thing about the characters is they all had jobs. Yes. They were all working. Yes. Like very few other movies. Like there might be one character is like, yo, you're going to get off for the party tonight. Oh, I'll try to get out. And he has to sneak out of work and everyone else is at the party. Every kid in this movie had a job. And that's what I remember about being a teenager. Do you want to talk about how the movie opens? Oh, my God. I mean, if like you talk about the closest thing that I ever need to time travel is the opening credits of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> you got a shopping mall, teenagers, and the Go-Go's greatest girl band ever. We got the beat blasting over this montage of shopping bliss. Wonderful colors, big hair, shoulder pads. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's... That's so true right there. Yeah, and I just, I love the way that they uh, treat the kids as, as being real kids. I, I, I thought so. Now, what was your, your take on, on this movie? I think you'd already seen it, though. You had seen yeah, it Yeah, I'd seen it many years ago. And I remembered the premise, but I didn't remember all of it. So it was kind of like watching a movie you hadn't seen before. I liked the way they handled a lot of the, the issues that, the kids had to deal with in this movie, whether it's like schoolwork or, you know, whether or not you're going to have a boyfriend and then what are the consequences of having a boyfriend and the way this movie handled Stacy's experience throughout the whole thing felt the most real possibly of any scenario in any teen movie I've ever seen. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't over sensationalized. It was just, just this, is, this is a thing that this teenager is having to deal with. So I really appreciated that. I'd actually forgotten about most of that. It's like, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Anyway, it was shocking with the dugout scene and the, yeah, the later consequences. Well, I think it, it had more on its mind than most teen movies. I mean, most teen movies want to get to the party and there really wasn't a party. I guess there was an end of school party. Uh, at the end of the movie, but it wasn't like this huge big house party and unrealistic stuff like that. I like the way the characters interacted with each other. I like the relationship of Stacy and her brother Brad. I thought that kind of was a little true to life. Siblings kind of covering each other and helping each other yeah. out reluctantly, but you're a big brother. Right. You're an older sibling. You're going to help your younger sibling. You know, don't tell mom and dad. Right. Just all kinds of stuff uh and then the sh and then the mall oh my god <laughs> that's one of the greatest malls ever i i think it's the mall that was in chopping mall but that's just anyway <laughs> <laughs> or they all made have just looked the same that probably no I, I love this movie i love the soundtrack i would recommend this movie to anybody uh just you know if you get a, a grab bag of movies and you get this one in that's how you know that i made the grab bag I always put Fast Times at Ridgemont High. In every grab single bag. grab bag? Every, well, not every single one, but if you get a grab bag and it's got Fast Times in it, I probably made it. All right. But now we do have to we do have to talk about the guy who wrote this. The guy that wrote it, his name is Cameron Crowe. If that name sounds familiar to you, that is because the movie Almost Famous is based on Cameron Crowe's real life experience being a 15 year old that gets hired to write for Rolling Stone. That movie is like semi autobiographical. He got he has a hand in writing that and producing that. 
Fast Times at Ridgemont High was written by Cameron Crowe. This guy's had way too much influence on culture. He's had a lot. <laughs> he has with, had a lot. With great power comes great responsibility. No, he also he also wrote Say Anything. Yeah. Jerry Maguire, Vanilla Sky, Elizabethtown. And I just, he's had a lot of influence on our culture. It's like starting when he got to write for Rolling Stone as a 15-year-old. He actually wrote a spiritual sequel to this called The Wildlife that most people don't know about. I didn't And know. that one has got uh, Chris Penn, Sean Penn's brother. Okay. He, he kind of plays the stoner-type character at a uh, bowling alley. Okay. So it's worth checking out. Uh, that one's a good one. That one came out in 1984. Well, as you know, I love the movie Almost Famous. Oh, I know you do. But, like, I didn't realize how much more Cameron Crowe went Cameron, on to do. Cameron Crowe is huge. Yeah. I don't know. I just He's feel like that's, that's too <laughs> that's just too much power. He's a golden god. In the hands of one one dude. Are you cool with the director, Amy Heckerling? Yes, of course. She and if you don't know, she directed Clueless and that's that's a classic. I almost am surprised you didn't pick that one, but I had already seen that one, so I'm happy you... you That's why I didn't pick it. Okay, all right. I picked one you hadn't seen. All right, so all those movies, Empire Records, Can't Hardly Wait, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, are available at the HMCPL. Uh, You can put them on hold, pick them up wherever, and then all those awesome, awesome, incredible soundtracks... They're available on Hoopla. Empire Records, Can't Hardly Wait, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That is a lot of awesome music. So. It is, from a lot of different time periods. Yeah. And again, though, this experiment, starting in 1982 and going to 1998, mm-hmm. teens didn't change a whole lot. No, they were pretty much concerned with the same things. There's a there's a difference in teen movies that I've seen because, like, then the next one I think of is Booksmart that we've talked about. And that was, like, from 2018 or 2019. Yeah. So, like, there's a whole 20 years there that, I, that I'm not real good on the – teen movies, maybe that's when they stopped working. They don't make a whole lot anymore. They made that's a lot a, of like WB teen serial oh, dramas. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But they weren't making movies anymore. They don't really make a lot of teen movies, I don't think. Like the last one I really remember, and I'm probably just out of touch, but like was like She's the Man in 2004 and Mean Girls. Mean Girls? Okay, I did see Mean Girls. That was 2004. Wow. Okay. Teen movies though. We got a ton of them. There's a ton of them on Hoopla. It's a nice way to revisit your youth. Yep. Sometimes. Sometimes it's just depressing. And sometimes, no matter no matter how much they beg, no matter what they try to tell you, don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project.